0: Well good morning everyone. Yeah, it's a good good morning. I'm so glad that you're here today. If you're just joining with us, we're in the midst of a series called Spring Cleaning as you saw. Really just all about us tidying up some of the areas of our lives that need some attention, that maybe need some organizing, that maybe need some, as we're talking about, some cleaning. So we've already taken a look at three areas of our lives. We've taken a look at our financial lives, we've taken a look at our relational lives, and our spiritual lives. Today and next week, to kind of close off this series, we want to take a look at like our mental lives, like our mental health, our mental wellness, our thinking, and the thought patterns that you might have and that I might have. We want to take a look at organizing and tidying that up and cleaning that up a little bit. And this is a topic that we've talked about here at Bethany a number of times. We even have a whole series on mental health where we had experts share and that sort of thing. But it's one we need to continually come back to because if the goal is to live healthy, whole, like better, deeper lives, we need to pay attention to our thoughts. We need to pay attention to our thinking. We need to pay attention to our mental lives as well. And so to begin with, uh, I want to share with you uh, Jo's story of her journey on like mental wellness, and she's going to share really vulnerably and honestly, just to help us again introduced to this topic, and then we're going to dive in today really deeply, talking about how to change our thinking from some things that are unhealthy to some things that are really healthy and needed. But first, let's listen to Joe share a little bit of her story.
1: I'm Joanna Nickel, and I've been attending Bethany my whole entire life. Today, I've been asked to share a little bit about my journey with mental and spiritual health struggles that I've had over the past few years. My whole life, I've always had a relationship with Jesus. God has always been the center of everything. Of course, I had doubts here and there, but nothing pervasive. I even experienced moments throughout my life when I was certain that God had revealed himself to me and spoke to me. When I started to experience some challenging life events through which I never properly healed, I began to struggle with everything I had known. I can trace the start back to my second and then my third miscarriages where I had, been, had seen a healthy heartbeat in an ultrasound and then I lost the baby at 12 weeks. I was completely devastated. It was a time of pain, but I was able to pull through relying on my faith. When we finally did have our second child, I was so grateful. However, he was extremely colic, and I was beyond exhausted. This was when I first noticed mental health struggles starting to creep in. I should have been thankful for having a healthy baby, but he cried. No, 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 not cried. He screamed all the time. I was both grateful, yet so confused that God didn't seem to help me or answer my prayers for him to stop crying. I was able to get help and connected with people who had similar postpartum struggles. But I never really fully recovered or processed what I had gone through with my miscarriages. And in addition to all of this, all three of my births were a little traumatic and all three of my children spent their first week of life in the Special Infant Care Unit. I tried to shrug it off because it wasn't all that bad. It could have been worse. And many others have dealt with a lot worse things. So I buried my thoughts of feeling like I was it was my fault as a mom and my thoughts of feeling like my body had failed me over and over again. My third maternity leave ended in May of 2020, and I returned to work as a full-time kindergarten teacher. My children started to have multiple health and respiratory issues that were sporadic over time, but they all required hospital visits. And although these issues were temporary and they were resolved within several weeks, the multiple stressors coming in from all sides started to affect my health in all aspects. In the fall of 2021, I ignored the urgings of my family and friends to take some time off work. I just need to try harder. I just need to push through. I need to read my Bible more. But I continually started to lose my center. Leaving from my youngest son's third week-long hospital stay, I remember walking to my car and the thought occurred to me that I didn't even pray once for my son's recovery. That whole time in the hospital, I didn't pray. And that was the moment I remember where something snapped. A wave of doubt just completely enveloped me and I wasn't even sure if God existed anymore or if I believed him or if I wanted anything to do with Jesus. But I was breaking and everyone around me knew it and I couldn't admit to it. After several promptings from several medical professionals and the continued urges of my family, I went to my doctor and I asked her to write me off for a medical leave of just two weeks. I just needed two weeks to rest and then I'd be fine. During this time of finally stopping, I shut down physically, mentally, emotionally, and spiritually. I was an empty shell and I couldn't even verbally communicate or read my children a bedtime story without stuttering through it. I ended up needing my work leave to be extended for several months. I was full of shame and embarrassment, and still am in dealing with some of the shame and embarrassment (laughs) that I wasn't strong enough and that I couldn't be strong enough. I was in a very dark place and was plagued by my doubts. I even rationalized away all the previous times in my life where God had showed up as mere coincidences. I didn't feel Jesus and I always used to feel him what I thought would only take two weeks, has been a year and a half, and and it's still ongoing for my recovery. First in the mental path, I've been seeing a therapist regularly, and as an aside, I think every single person needs to see a therapist at one point or another. And now being back at work full time, I look and think about things differently and in a much healthier way. And then alongside has been my spiritual path to recovery. I've been reading books and listening to other stories that have gone through similar experiences like this. I researched how other people came to Christ and wrestled with God. I've also really appreciated perspectives from other believers from around the world as they have come to Christ from a different lens. I'm so grateful to my parents and my family and my church for the incredible support and understanding throughout this journey, especially to my husband for giving me the space and the time that I needed to process all of these things. If you don't know him, he is an extremely patient person. <laughs> as I've been reassembling what faith means to me and reshifting my direction towards Jesus, I've been continually asking for the Spirit to intercede for me as I'm starting to pray again. And even the way I'm reading the scriptures is changing. I've stopped approaching the Bible with my own lens, my own understanding, to let him shape me. I've been slowly coming back to wellness and restoration, and I've been back at work for a while now. It's so good to start feeling like myself again, and I'm even having glimpses of reunion with Jesus and starting to see how he has been present even when I didn't see him before. I frequently revisit the passage in Mark 9 where the father asks Jesus to heal his child, and he says, if you can do anything, help us. And Jesus responds, if you can, all things are possible for those who believe. The father responds, I do believe, Help my unbelief. And that phrase there has become my grounding piece. I do believe Jesus helped me overcome my unbelief.
0: Yeah, that's that for Joe today. So I acknowledge that it's really hard actually to share with such vulnerability. It takes a lot of courage and bravery. I'm really grateful for Joe sharing some of her story. And today, then, we want to talk about some of these realities that many of us face. And today, specifically, what I want to talk about is I want to talk about the different soundtracks that we play in our minds. Because I think that this is something that we all do and that will actually impact each and every one of us. Because mental health, it's not something we just need awareness with, although we do need that. We also need action with. And so today, as I shared, I want to talk with you about how to change the soundtracks in our minds. And here's what I mean when I say soundtracks. I want to use that as a metaphor of sorts. Okay? Okay? That in our house, um, if you know me, or you've been a part of our church for a while, you probably know that I love music and I love records. Like this is a big deal to me. And in our home, uh, in our living room, we have a record player. Our house also is a 1960s side split. So it's both our living room, dining room, and kitchen in all of it, right? That's kind of where it all is. But we consistently listen to often the same records kind of on repeat, right? That they're often playing in the background for so many different like moments of our lives, like meals, conversations, coffee with friends, all that sort of stuff, right? And every kid in our family has their favorite kind of album to put on, right? Hudson, who is 13, ironically, most often chooses Fleetwood Mac, actually, which I think is an incredible choice for a 13-year-old, right? Uh, Asher always chooses 21 Pilots. That's what he puts on all the time, right? But whether it's like those two bands or it's like Charles Bradley or Otis Redding or whoever else that we're listening to, These soundtracks kind of just play on repeat, on loop, okay? And this is the metaphor I want to give to you today, that I think many of us have the same sort of things with thoughts and ideas in our minds, that they almost just play on repeat, on loops, again and again and again. And that so often what ends up happening is they actually just become kind of like the ruts that we live in. We almost become unaware of them, actually that we don't even question them. They're like these albums you keep going back to and playing on repeat, so much so that they're so familiar to you, they're just playing in the background. And this is what I want to talk about, because I really believe we all have these thoughts we often keep coming back to, but some of these are healthy, but some of these also are unhealthy, because their thinking patterns actually direct how we live. We often don't question how we think, we just kind of you know, let them become so normal that we just kind of continue in them with the same habits. But today I want to give this as a metaphor that we need to change some of the broken soundtracks that we are consistently listening to in the background of our minds. Okay? I'll give you some examples of what I mean by like soundtracks. That some of them can be more positive, right? Where somebody might think to themselves, you know, everything always goes my way or whatever. Right? Like that could be something that you might think consistently. But really what I want to talk about today are more of the broken or negative soundtracks that we almost unquestionably adopt and continue with without ever wondering why give you an example of what I mean. Here are some of the soundtracks you might be playing in your mind, some loops and thoughts you keep coming back to that aren't healthy. Some of us, I think, often think this, that things are only going to get worse. That this can become a loop that we find really hard to break out of, right? There's only, like, fear or disaster. Or some of us, like, and this is kind of like, I'm talking like deep down stuff, almost under the surface. Some of us, when it comes to things, we almost say this consistently, that we just think that we're kind of a failure or a mess, or maybe not worth very much. That we might be just really insecure and like deep down we don't actually know whether people like us or want to be with us. That we have this stuff that we just keep coming back to. This is the kind of metaphor I want to give to you today. And what I want to do today is I want to explain three broken soundtracks, things that loop in our heads consistently, that I think affect, when I think, I think they affect so many of us. That when I've met with hundreds and hundreds of people over my pastoral career, so many people are affected by these three broken soundtracks. I want to give you three bad ones, and then I also want to give you three scriptural ones to replace them with. Okay, that's what I want to take a look at today. Because Paul says this in, first, uh, in Romans uh, verse 12. I want to start off with this, with what he says here in Romans 12. And Amos took a look a little bit at this last week. Paul says this, And so, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all that he has done for you. Paul talks about the sacrifice of Christ and then us living in response to that. He says, let them be a living and a holy sacrifice, the kind He will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship him. He says, don't copy the behaviors and the customs of this world. This is true, okay? We should not copy the behaviors and the customs of the world around us. Because the world around us, I don't know, this shouldn't be shocking, it's not all that great, actually, okay? It doesn't form us well. It actually just makes us more anxious and more like worried and all sorts of stuff. Our world's not forming us well. So Paul says, don't copy the ways of the world. But then notice what he says specifically in order to do that. He says this, okay? But let God transform you into a new person. Anyone want to say amen to that, right? You want to be a new person. You want to be somebody who lives differently than the junk and the heaviness and the baggage of our world. But then what does Paul say? He does that. By changing the way you think. By changing the way you think. That there is no way to live into new behaviors while still remaining stuck in old thought patterns. Okay? That we can't actually live into new people that we're being transformed while we continue to let the same broken loops continue in our thinking. So today I want to talk about actually changing our thinking so that we might live into what God has for you and for me and for all of us. Because our thinking does need to change if we're going to actually be able to be those new people. that's Paul says, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. So today I want to share with you three broken soundtracks that my bet is you either struggle with or you know someone for sure who struggles with them. And I want to give you then three scriptural biblical ones to actually replace them with. Because if we're going to actually be changing the way you think, you can't just kind of stop trying to do one thing, you actually have to start something else. so I want to share with you the first broken soundtrack I want to invite you to retire and a new one to replace it with. The first broken soundtrack that I think many people play in the background of their minds, that's kind of like looping through conversations all the time, is that many people, when they think of themselves, they think of themselves primarily as people who are failures, flawed, or being bad and wrong, and just not measuring up. That there are many people just below the surface who almost feel like they are just never enough, not good enough, that there's something like defective with them, that there's something like damaged or distorted with them, that their primary orientation when it comes to their identity is that there is something wrong and missing and broken within themselves. And this can show up then in all sorts of different ways, where their self-talk just ends up being self-talk that emphasizes and accentuates flaws, failures, and all of that. And while, while it is obviously true that all of us you know, fail at things, all of us have sinned, all of us fall short and all that sort of thing, what is really interesting is that the Bible, when it comes to speaking about you, do you know what the Bible does not call you? The Bible actually once you to come to know Christ, does not actually call you a sinner, does not actually call you broken, does not actually call you defective. Do you wanna know what the Bible calls you once you come to know Christ? Holy is the word, actually. Holy. I know that's an old word, but I think it's a word we need to regain, actually. That you're actually holy. That you're not flawed, damaged, defected, like junk or like a dumpster fire or whatever. The actual reality of your identity, if you come to know Christ, is that you are holy, pure, and loved. Anyone want to say amen to that? Okay, this is who you are. This is actually what we need to be living out of. The Bible is unquestionably clear with this. We just don't, I don't think we internalize it. I think we let bad, defective soundtracks continue on in our heads, rather than actual scripture ones. Let me give you an example of how the Bible speaks so clear about this. I wanna read to you the opening verse of 1 Corinthians. Now, if you don't know anything about the church in Corinth, Paul's writing to the church in Corinth. The church in Corinth is kind of messed up. And by kind of, I mean like, they're really, really messed up, actually. The only real reason we have many of the letters, actually, is because most of the early church was actually messed up. Paul's writing to them to be like, don't do this, don't do that. So they have a really big sin problem in the church in Corinth. Like, it's rampant. It's really, really problematic. But notice where Paul begins. Paul doesn't begin with saying you are sinful and wrong. Notice instead what Paul says about them. He says this. I'm writing to God's church in Corinth. To you who have been called by God to be his own, what's the word? Holy, to be his own holy people. Listen to what he says. He made you holy. He made you holy. Listen to how clear this. He made you holy by means of Christ Jesus. Amen? Amen. Right? He made you holy. This is who you are. Not who you're going to become. This is who you are if you know Christ. We need to be just so unquestionably clear with this. You are holy. He made you holy by means of Christ Jesus. And just in case, just in case we're not sure that this applies to us, listen to the very, like, the verse as it continues. He made you holy by means of Christ Jesus, just as he did for all people everywhere who call on the name of the Lord. Amen? Amen. This is good news. This is good news for you. This is good news for me. This needs to center who we are that rather than thinking of ourselves as like bad, defective, damaged, distorted, you know, all of that, we need to think of ourselves as holy. This needs to center who we are. I bring this up because I think the majority of us, if we are honest, I don't think the majority of us woke up this morning and thought to ourselves as we're getting ready to come here or whatever, I don't think the majority of us thought to ourselves, wow, I'm a very holy person. Like that's not the soundtrack that is playing, right? We might think like, oh, I'm a disaster, I'm a mess, I can barely get here on time, or whatever. I don't think that the soundtrack that is playing in our minds is we are holy, we are pure, we are loved, we are wanted. We need to replace the broken soundtracks with scriptural ones. This matters immensely. Because this isn't the only place that Paul talks about us being holy people. Let me read you some other verses where he speaks about it so clearly. They're also in 1 Corinthians. Okay, And I think one of the reasons that Paul is so clear with the church in Corinth that they are holy, the reason he does this actually is because they're actually so screwed up. That because they have all these problems with sin, that what he does is he needs to remind them of who they are. Listen to what he says in uh, 1 Corinthians 1 verse uh, 30. He says this. God has united you with Christ Jesus for our benefit. God made him to be wisdom itself. Listen to this verse. Christ made us right with God. He made us pure and holy. And he freed us from sin. Or in 1 Corinthians 6, verse 11, Paul says this. Some of you were once like that, but you were cleansed. You were made holy. You were made right with God by calling on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of our God. That what you read consistently through the Scriptures is just this, especially if you read the New Testament, is yes, we are called to be holy. We are called to live into holiness. We are called to pursue holiness. But we do this because this is already who you are and who I am if you know Christ. You actually live into holiness when you realize that you are already starting there, that it's already who you are. I want to share with you why I think that this matters so much for us, especially to replace this broken soundtrack of that we are damaged, defective, you know, distorted, sinful, junk, all of that. To actually replace it with the scriptural one that we are holy, I want to share with you an example for why this matters. And to do this, because I love you as a church, okay, I'm going to risk a conflict with my wife in this next illustration for you, okay? Okay. This is just because I love you and care for you. Okay? Now, I have a general idea that there are two kinds of people in the world. Okay? There are those people, and you can probably guess where I land on this, there are those people who keep their cars tidy and neat. Amen. Amen, yes, yes. There are other people who use their cars as a traveling dumpster, okay? There are other people. I would like to show you a picture of our two cars in our life. And again, I do this for you. This is for you. I am risking this because I care for you, okay? I will show you a picture of the vehicle I primarily drive, okay? This is a picture of a car, right? That's what a normal human being's car looks like, okay? There is like a cord. And um, a citation I got driving through Virginia, coming back from Myrtle Beach this last week. So that's what's in my car right now, okay? Um, It's just for a a headlight that was out, so don't worry. Although my heart started racing at 3 a.m. when I got pulled over, for sure, okay? So this is my car, that's not much in it. Would you like to see a picture of my wife's car? (laughs) This is her car. (laughs) Some of you are like, "That's that's my people, I understand. There are some people out there like that. And if she was here right now, what she would be saying is, Andrew, you took this picture when I was like on placement, I was busy, and all of those things are true, okay? But it's also true that that's generally kind of what it looks like, right? (laughs) I risk having this conflict with my wife to bring up this for you, okay? I'm gonna bring up this. If, just thinking of those two pictures, right? If you had garbage, which one are you more likely to leave it in? It's it's mine? No, it's clean, don't do that. (laughs) No! The answer is no. No, no, no. Well, that that really didn't go the way I was expecting. Um, My point is more this, is that likely, I would think, you'd be more willing to leave it in there, right, in Chris's car. That when, this is just true, when we see things already as maybe like cheap, dirty, unkept, we're actually more likely to keep them cheap, dirty, or unkept, actually. That if you think that's kind of already full of garbage, you might already just kind of leave it in there. If you have a room in your house that is full of junk, you might be more willing to throw more junk in there and just shut the door, right? What I want to suggest to you is that the same sort of thing happens psychologically for us. That when we primarily see ourselves as a dumpster fire, as garbage, as wrong, as unclean, as dirty, we are more likely to treat ourselves that way and also others. But when we know deep down that we are holy and we are pure, then we can live out of that and live into that. This is what Paul is getting at. So what I want to invite you to do is to replace that broken soundtrack that you are dirty, wrong, cheap, garbage, whatever, and to replace it with a biblical, scriptural one that you are holy if you know him. You have been made holy. You have been made clean. This is who you are. You're not trying to achieve this. You're already doing it. You just need to live out of it, right? I think this is a really important soundtrack to replace. So the first one I want to invite you to replace is actually that one that often loops for many people, that they're kind of a disaster or junk or there's something wrong or damaged with them and instead replace it with the scriptural one that you are holy and pure, as Paul clearly says. Second one I want to invite us to, to shift or to retire or to replace, okay? Is a soundtrack that I know many people actually play in their heads consistently. And it's one that often we don't maybe even question, but it's there for so many people. And it's this idea that you might not be worth very much. That many people, many people honestly, when they kind of sit with themselves, they have this idea that maybe they aren't very valuable. That maybe somebody wouldn't really want them or like them or want to be with them. That deep down they have this insecurity that they are just not worth or valued at all. And this can show up in lots of different ways in people's thinking. Like when I meet with people, sometimes, sometimes something bad would happen to them, and people who struggle with this soundtrack, they almost make it feel like as if somehow they deserve the bad thing that's happened to them. This is how it can play out. Or, or, sometimes when somebody doesn't accept them, the way that this soundtrack plays out is it triggers them to think, well, I'm not worth much anyway. For sure they wouldn't like me because there's not much to like. Or sometimes this... Almost it's like at the center of somebody's, like there's just not enough. Like there's like something missing for them. This is kind of the thing they keep repeating. For some people then, the way that they manage that is actually through achieving and through striving. I'm just gonna try to do more and more and more to try to make sure that I have value and worth, you know, by living up to whatever the world says is good. That so many people, when they're scrolling like Instagram or whatever, they just feel like they aren't enough. And it's a soundtrack that we can play in our heads, that we can loop and that we often don't even question. But what I wanna share with you is that it's not biblical, it's not helpful, and it's broken. And instead, I wanna invite you to replace and retire that old soundtrack of you don't have value or worth to actually know this, that this is the core of who you are, this is the core of your identity, okay? And it's simple and it's clear. It's that you are loved by God. This is what we need to replace that broken, defective one with. That you are loved, you are known, you are wanted, you are valued by God. This is who you are. This needs to be the core of our identity. Not this idea that we don't measure up, but instead the idea that we are already loved and chosen by God as we are. This is what we need to live out of. The Bible, the Bible speaks of this so clearly in so many spaces. Let me just show you some verses. Romans eight thirty-seven says this. No, despite all these things, overwhelming victory is ours through Christ who loved us. Or Ephesians 1 verse 4. I I love this verse. Even before God made the world, before God had done anything, before God kind of began this whole thing, before God started all that we are experiencing, it says this, even before he made the world, listen to what scripture says, God loved us. Amen? God loved us. Or personalize it. God loved you. God loves you. And then it says this, and God chose you in Christ to be holy without fault in his eyes. Ephesians 2 verse 4 says this, but God is so rich in mercy, he has loved us so much. Or 1 John 4 verse 10 says this, this is real love, not that we have loved God, but that he has loved us and sent his son as a sacrifice to take away our sins. That so what I want to share with you so clearly, if I can, is that the soundtrack you need to be living out of is that you are loved, wanted, and cherished by God. You're loved, wanted, and cherished by God. And if you've been around church for a while, sometimes we say this so frequently, and we do because it's right and it's true and it's good, but sometimes we think that this is true for everyone else, but maybe not so true like for us. That there are so many people that I've met with that when I'd ask them, does God you know, love everyone? They'd say yes, but when I ask, you know, does God love you, they'd be like, yeah. I'm like, but does God like you? And they're like, I don't know. What I want to share with you is that that's not true. God loves you. God likes you. God cherishes you. That you're wanted and known by him. This is the soundtrack we need to live out of. This is what scripture teaches us so clearly. This is actually what's been demonstrated in salvation. That when Jesus dies and resurrects, what this proves is that you have matter and worth to God. This is what we need to live out of. As I've shared here many times, now We have three family rules in our family that we usually kind of share around the table at least once a week. Our three family rules are just this. Um, they are one, that kindness matters. Okay? They are two, that we work hard to love one another because this is just true. Love requires work, right? And the third one that we have them share and that we talk, teach our kids and talk about at least once a week is that God and mom and dad will love you no matter what. That what I know I want for my kids is I want them living out of the deep assurance that they matter and have value and of worth to their mom and dad and to God. That they would never question that. That's also what scripture reveals for us. That what God wants us to know, if you know him, is that he loves you so deeply, that he's wanted you, that he actually values you. This is who you are, actually. That before he even began the world, right? Before he began the world, that God loves and chose you. What does it say even in first John, in John three sixteen That for God so loved the world... Like everyone included. For God so loved everyone that he gave his son. That what we need to retire is this idea that we don't have enough worth and what we need to live out of is the true soundtrack that you are loved and wanted by God. A okay. third soundtrack that I think that we need to retire is one that is so prevalent right now and it's especially so prevalent in, in church, in churches, and in Christians. And it needs to go because it has no basis in scripture actually. It is this idea... and. It's this idea that in the future, things are only and always going to get worse. That things are only and always going to get worse. That for so many people, this is actually what's playing in the back of their head all the time. That when they look into the future, there is only fear and anxiety. They think that like doom is on the horizon. They think that like disaster is just like over the hill. That they think to themselves, things will always get worse. They're just almost always waiting for the other shoe to drop thinking that, oh, yeah, there isn't goodness before us. There's just bad disaster. I want to be clear with this. I want to be clear with this. I think this is a broken soundtrack. I think it's an unbiblical one. I think it is not helpful. I also can agree that in many ways, our world does not look great right now, okay? I'm not denying the reality of there being tragedies or denying the reality of there being real difficulties or challenges. But what ends up happening is this. When we allow this voice or this soundtrack that says things are only going to get worse, do you want to know what we are actually allowing us to drive us? You want to know what that voice is? That's the voice of fear, actually. That's what it is. And you want to know what fear does? Fear lies, fear exaggerates, and fear amplifies things all the time. And this is just true. God will never lead you ever through the voice of fear. You just need to know that okay? God does not speak through the voice of fear. He never has, and he never, ever, ever will. That if fear is speaking to you, you can know unquestionably true that it isn't Jesus Christ who's speaking. Do you want to know how I know that? You want to know what 1 John says? Perfect love casts out all fear. That's what 1 John says. Perfect love casts out all fear, actually. And so God is perfect love, so then God does not speak through the voice of fear. Fear always tells us things that are untrue. So what I think we need to do is we need to get rid of, we need to reject and retire that soundtrack that says anxiety, worry, disaster, all of that stuff is coming towards us. I mean, it's so easy to allow those things to speak to us. I mean, whether you're watching the news or on Twitter, sometimes it just feels like there's only disaster everywhere. Do you want to know what a better, more true, and scriptural soundtrack is? not that fear is on the horizon, but instead that God's goodness and his grace is what is actually pursuing you, that God's goodness is before you, that God's grace is all around you. This is what I want to invite you to retire that old broken one of that fear is there to instead that there is goodness and grace. I want to read you a verse that, for me, this isn't shocking for some people here who know me well. I struggle with this one the most. Even as I was driving home um, from Myrtle Beach, we were driving through the night, I'm driving there, and I'm thinking, like, oh, no, what happens if my tire blows and then I'm in the middle of nowhere and I'm having all this, like, just worry, catastrophe kind of ideas happening? What I do is I go back to this verse all the time in Psalm 23. Psalm 23 is a really well-known passage. It talks about God being a good shepherd and there being difficult challenges, God leading us through, like, dark valleys. But the one verse we often don't reflect on enough is actually how the psalm ends. It's actually the encapsulation of everything. It actually tells us what we can be looking for and what to expect. Listen to this verse. I just want to say this. This verse is good news, okay? Psalmist says this. Psalm 23, verse 6. Surely your goodness and unfailing love will pursue me all the days of my life. Anyone want to say amen to that? Right? That's what's pursuing you. Not disaster, not calamity, not death and destruction and all of that. What's actually pursuing you, according to scripture, is God's unfailing love, is God's grace, is His mercy, is His desires for you. This is what is before us, this is what is behind us and around us, this is what we need to get centered on. Surely your goodness and unfailing love will pursue me all the days of my life. That doesn't mean we won't face challenges. I don't want to all want to dismiss that. There are real challenges that we face. But what this also means is that God is still good, God is still in control, and that even in the darkest places, God can show up. That's what this verse reminds us of. That surely your goodness and your unfailing love will pursue me all the days of my life. This is a soundtrack I want to invite you to live out of. Not that fear is what is before you, but God's grace and his goodness. So what does this mean for us all here today? Well, today what I really wanted to do is to share with you three really broken soundtracks to replace with three scriptural ones, okay? So the three broken soundtracks I think we need to retire that are so often like those loops we just play again and again, we don't even question them, like albums we might play on repeat in our car or in our homes or whatever, the three bad soundtracks that we need to replace is that we are bad, flawed, and failures, that we are unworthy, unwanted, and not desired, and that things will only and always get worse. These are three soundtracks that I know so many people in this room or you have friends that struggle with these that just play almost below the surface. What I want to invite you to do is to replace or retire those broken soundtracks with three scriptural and good ones. That you are holy, that you are loved, and that surely goodness and grace is what is pursuing you, actually. That God's goodness and grace is what's on the horizon. These are the three soundtracks I want to invite you to live out of, actually. So what's my main point today? Because there's always a main point and a challenge. main point is really simple, that we need to change the soundtracks in our minds. Because this is true. This is just true. The ways we think start to direct us. They start to frame how we see things. They start to shape us. And Paul's really clear, if we're going to live into that newness that God has for us, if we're going to be transformed, he says we need to change the ways we think. Right? And so here's three ways to actually do that. To reject and get rid of, to reject and get rid of those broken soundtracks that we are bad, flaws, and failures that we are unworthy and unwanted, and that things will only get worse, and instead to replace them with what is true, that you are holy, loved, and that goodness and grace are pursuing you. This is what we need to live out of. And I want to be really clear with this. This idea that you are holy, you are loved, and that goodness and grace are pursuing you, this idea is not like just pop psychology or christianity light or something like that, okay? This is foundational to Christianity. This is actually kind of the core of things. That what the cross and scripture teach us, most of all, is that you are wanted by God, that you have been made holy because of him, and that actually his goodness and grace is with you. This is what we need to live out of. Nothing else um, needs to actually change who, we, nothing else is the thing, Yeah, sorry. As I said, I just got back from vacation, so I'm a little bit resting. Okay. This is what we need to live out of. Not these other broken soundtracks that actually lead us astray, and actually shape and frame us in ways that are unhealthy and untrue. So today, what's my main point? That we need to change the soundtracks we're listening to, and the three I wanna invite you to do is that you are holy, you are loved, and that goodness and grace are before you and pursuing you. The question is, how do we do that? Because it can be really hard to actually change the soundtracks of these things that loop in our mind. It can be really tough to do that. So today, we're gonna do something really old school. I'm gonna give you a challenge, and by old school, I mean like, it was something I grew up doing in church when I grew up as a kid. If you grew up in church, you might have uh, grown up doing this as well. Today I wanna to give you a challenge and it's to memorize scripture. That's what I'm gonna be inviting you to do. But you know how as a kid, if you came to church, sometimes what they would do is they invite you to memorize scripture and then if you did, you got like candy and stuff. Yeah, have what we call bribery, right? Or in our house, we call it positive reinforcement right? That's what we do, right? You know how you would do that? Maybe if you you haven't grown up in church, this was like a thing, right? You'd memorize verses, and if you came to church the next week, you got candy, which is a great thing. I want to invite you to memorize three specific verses, three specific verses to become new soundtracks in your mind, that if you're going to retire or replace one, you actually need to replace it with something. You can't just try to stop doing something. You need to start doing something new, actually. So I want to invite you to memorize these three scriptures, and just so you know, we actually have them on a bookmark that we will give to you as you leave, as I see people taking pictures and stuff. So you will have that for you, okay? We're going to try make this as easy as possible. The three verses I want to invite you to uh, memorize this week are ones around those three true um, soundtracks. The first, that you are holy. So when you feel like you're not really holy, when you feel like there's something wrong with you, damaged, distorted, whatever, you can actually just repeat this verse, where Christ has made us right with God. He has made us pure and holy, and he freed us from sin. That when you become aware of that broken soundtrack, you can actually repeat the true one, okay? The second one, when you wonder if you're worth anything, if you have any value or any of that, then you can actually just repeat this verse, uh, where we read in Ephesians 1, verse 4. Even before God made the world, God loved us, and he chose us in Christ to be holy and without fault in his eyes. And then when you think the disaster is coming, when you just think like the next worst thing is coming, when you feel like you can't break out of that loop of, oh no, what if this happens and this happens and this happens? I want to invite you to memorize this verse, Psalm 23, 6, and just to repeat it in your mind. Surely your goodness and unfailing love will pursue me all the days of my life. I want to invite you to retire some broken soundtracks and to start to live out of some true scriptural biblical ones. And this will help you. This will actually direct you in the right way. So I want to invite you to memorize these three scriptures. And then, I announced in the first service, we're going to do this in the second. I decided that if you do this, kind of like an old school church, if you show up next week and have memorized any of them, we're going to have candy. That's what we're going to do. Yeah, yes. People are like, yes, finally. I hear some kids being like, yes. Um, There's been lots of suggestions for candy, but I'm not really doing that. So we'll figure it out. But just in case you're wondering, I'm in favor of nerds, which are what my socks are here today. Okay, so we have that. Um, So I don't know what we'll be doing, but I just think that this matters. So today, what's my main point? To change our soundtracks. And how do we do that? By actually letting Scripture shape us and direct us more than the world. So might you live out of the truth that you know today that you are holy, you are pure, you are loved, and that goodness and grace is what is pursuing you, not disaster and calamity. And this, this is how we can begin to have a spring cleaning with our mental lives and with our thinking and to allow God to change us into a new person by changing the way we think. So with that, would you join with me in prayer here this morning? God, I ask, ask for each and every one of us. I pray, might we live out of these truths that you have revealed to us in Scripture and on the cross? Would we know that we are made right with you, by you, and that we are holy, pure, and loved? God, I pray this week, especially when anxiety and worry attack us, might we know that surely goodness and your unfailing love is what will pursue all of us all the days of our lives. Might we live out of the truth that we know that you love us, that you chose us before the world began, and that you, God, you, you see us as so valuable. Might we never question our worth that you have given to us. And so, God, I pray as we go this week, might we continue to retire some of those broken soundtracks and replace them with good ones, true ones, needed ones, holy ones, that we are loved, that we are pure, and that, God, your goodness and your grace chase after us. And I pray this all in the wonderful name of God, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen and amen. So with that, I want to invite you to stand if you're able for a closing benediction here today. As always, if you have any need whatsoever, there are people in our prayer room off to my left to be more than willing to meet with you and to pray with you. If you're new, you can go meet anybody in the uh, blue shirts for the newcomers. And if you want to give, there's a give wall. But for today, I want to read to you just one last verse again to let this shape your week. Would you know this? Psalm 23, verse 6. Surely your goodness and unfailing love will pursue me all the days of my life. And as you go, grab a bookmark, memorize those three verses, and you can come back next week and we'll have candy of some sort. And we're going to work all of that out. All right? Oh, and there's a cafe outside. I forgot to mention that in the first service. If you want coffee, that's out there. Grace and peace, everyone. See you all next week. Bye-bye.